Tommy was just a little guy, second, third grader, and his teacher called him up and said, uh, Tommy, I've got a, a letter for your mother. But only she can read it, no one else. And little Tommy's eyes were shining, and the teacher handed him the letter and said, now, Tommy, take this home and give it to your mother. Nobody else gets to read it. So little Tommy's eyes were flashing and big and excited, and he ran home and gave the letter to his mother. And his mother opened the letter and began to read. She frowned and frowned and smiled, and finally little Tommy said, what did my teacher say? And his mother said, son, your teacher said you are so smart and so advanced that you're far above all the other children. And they want you to stay home. They want you to stay close. Shut this off. <laughs> On the side. Just take it back there. It's, day, it's evening time in Africa. And I oversee about 2,500 to 3,000 pastors in 15 different African countries. And sometimes they forget schedules. His mother said, Tommy, the teacher wants me to teach you here at home because you're so advanced and so far above the other children. Little Tommy said, okay. So for the next several years, little Tommy was, was it's, it's still on. I'm the bionic grandfather. After a while, little Tommy becomes Tom in high school, and he goes on and grows up. Tommy becomes Thomas. Years and years went by, and Thomas's mother died. Her name was Mrs. Edison. Because Tommy grew up, not only was he Tom, but he later became Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulbs and so many other things. And after his mother died, he was going through her things like we all do when our families pass. And she ran across in all those papers, she, she ran across an old, wrinkled, stained envelope. And he recognized the envelope that his school teacher had sent home to his mother. And he thought, I want to hear it again. And he pulls the letter out and opens it up. And it says, Dear Mrs. Edison, please keep your son home because he will never learn anything. He, he's not capable of growth. He's not capable of anything. So don't be expected about how poorly he turns out in life. When I read that, I thought to myself, we must never, ever curse our children. We must forever and always speak blessing over our children. And as I sat here this morning, as I do on the occasion when I'm able to come here and be with the family, to realize that there are three generations leading this church.
grandma, mom and daddy, and their single son still at home. I married that old ugly boy to this pretty girl in the front row back in Arizona several, uh, two years? How long ago? I'm talking about the, the young one. Last year. And so I am so blessed to see Zachary on the platform singing and leading in worship. And to know that the young man that took my daughter off, 31, 32, he said one, you said two. More than 30 years ago, <laughs> keep peace in the family. God has, I, just to give you a quick update, I'm just home about three weeks from my 83rd trip to the continent of Africa. Uh, God has been so good. For, for someone who just was a kid on the streets of Kansas and tried to date a Pentecostal girl, and the only place she'd let me take her was church, which was not on my list of exciting things to do. As a 15-year-old boy growing hair on his legs, you've got other things in mind. But God saved me the evening of March the 27th, 1957, 8.30 in the evening, in a little Pentecostal church in Burden, Kansas, and my life has never been the same. And what God did for me, with no Christian background, if you would have walked up to me on the streets of my hometown in Ark City, Kansas, and said, Bob, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I got white skin and I speak English. But I had never, in the first 15 years of my life, I had never been approached about my soul until I met these Christian young people. And there was a, a big youth group in the church I ultimately started attending and where I was baptized. So if you're still in college or high school, I want you to know you have a story to tell. You have a, have a life to live and never underestimate who you are. Praise be to God. So pray for me, I'll be going back uh, I'm, I'm, my next overseas trip will be in probably the next two or three weeks. I'll be in Lebanon with the possibility of flying on over to Jordan. And then when I get home, I'm supposed to fly back to the Philippines. And then in November, I'll be in India, Burma, and Pakistan uh, to end out the year. January, I'll spend the month in Nigeria, and on and on and on. We have to do as much as we can, as fast as we can, for as many as we can, while we can. And I'm just, you know the song, I love the song, I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who will save anybody. And that's my story. If you're with the, if you brought your Bible with you today, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Capitulo 11, versículo 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gibeon, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. 
I want you to concentrate for a few moments on the name of Jephthah, one of those listed in the heroes of faith. Now turn back, if you will, to Judges chapter 11, to the book of Judges chapter number 11. And I'll begin reading at versículo uno, verse number one, capítulo once. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons. And, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off of the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance. They said, for, for you're the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon, he had a band of worthless rebels following him. I don't know but one or two of you in this room by your name. I know Brother Lance, because when I show up, he wears a necktie too. He knew I was coming. We're kind of from the old school. None of us could choose who our parent was. None of us had any control over who birthed us and whose seed caused us to be created. Because I'm sure if you're a Christian, you believe in life begins at the time of conception. Unlike most of the ungodly leaders who are in charge of our country today. Every one of us have a story. Every person here, young or old, you've got a story. But thank God, much of our story, at the time of conversion, all of our story was erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. For the last two nights, as I have slept in my daughter and son-in-law's home, I've prayed, I've studied, I've, I've anticipated this service honor of laying hands on my grandson to ordain him into the Pentecostal ministry. But when I woke up this morning at three o'clock and had to let my roommate out in the backyard to run around, he's got four legs. After he fought through a menagerie of other four-legged creatures in that house, my, my little dog's this big, and he's attacking Rebecca's dog that is ten times bigger than mine. I just knew by the Holy Ghost that there was going to be somebody in this room this morning that needed to hear these few remarks I've got. The rest of you can listen, but I'm after one person today who carries a scar on your heart because of pain from the past. Because maybe you just weren't born right. Maybe you weren't born with a golden spoon in your mouth. Maybe, maybe the, the circumstances of your birth caused you to walk with an emotional limp. Can you imagine growing up 
everybody in the town knowing that your mother was a prostitute. That your mother, that's a nice word. His mother was a whore. We don't even like to use those kind of words. But can you imagine growing up with that stigma on your life? And then you also grew up with with a half a dozen half-brothers who seemed to be much more attuned to family life than Jephthah. So when Jephthah grew up, his family, his brothers said, you will not inherit anything we have. We know who you are. We know how you were born. We know what society says about you. So we want you to leave now. Get out of here. I think I'm reading this right from the Bible. They drove Jephthah away to the land of Tob. Everybody say Tob. T-O-B, the land of Tob. Now, if you, if you study the land of, if you look at a little geography, the land of Tob ran parallel with the promised land. In other words, you could step right over the boundary line from security, peace, joy, prosperity into a barren wasteland where there was nothing but worthless people. Isn't it amazing what the devil makes us feel like if we were not born with a golden spoon in our mouth or a Kennedy bank account? It's amazing what Satan can do to rob you of your own self-worth. Now, let me tell you something, my friend. Loneliness and rejection are some of the hardest things to overcome as a human being. I know a little bit about that. Now, I'm a happy person at age number 81 and a half. And I don't intend to slow down for another. Well, the Africans are praying keep our bishop alive for 20 or 30 years. I don't receive all of that. (laughs) Uh, Unless I get a really good recliner. But when I graduated from high school in 1960, because my parents were so jealous of Jesus that they they did not, they hated the church. They they hated the fact that as a 15-year-old, I met these kids, I went to church, I got born again, I was baptized in water, filled with the Holy Ghost. One week after I was converted, I received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And for the next three years during my high school career, I had to fight almost every weekend to go to church. But here's what happened, guys. The night I met the Lord, It was an authentic, genuine experience. Didn't take me weeks or months to realize what had happened. That night, I knew that I, as a 15-year-old boy, I knew I had an encounter with God. There was no question. In fact, I got up the next morning. I'm not even born again 24 hours yet. I go into my first hour class as a freshman. Male glee club. 25 of the dirtiest minded boys in high school was in that male glee club. Our teacher, Miss Ross, 
She'd never done a bad thing in her life. She'd never been married. She, she'd never done anything bad. And one day I, I made a mistake and I said, Mrs. Ross. She said, Bob, it's not Mrs., it's Miss. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, not as sorry as I am. But the day, the, the next morning after I repented, I went running in there. The guys were talking and we used to see just how, what borderline language we could use around Miss Ross. She's sitting at the piano bench. I ran in there the next morning and said, Miss Ross, guess what? I know she thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. I said, Jesus is coming back and you're going to go to hell. And that was my first public testimony. Well, I got the attention of all my friends in that class, and I gave my second, second Christian testimony before I learned all of our holy words. I hadn't learned hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. So with a little bit of Kansas verbiage, I gave my first public testimony to all 25 of those guys, you're all going to hell, because that's what they told me the night before. And the preacher preached, and when he got through preaching, he asked all the sinners to come to the front. He knew I was the only sinner there. He knew everybody else by their first name. And at the end of the service, he's begging all the sinners to come to the front. He told the keyboard player to go and play that real scary music. Remember that scary music they used to play at the end of the service? Preachers begging all the sinners, scary music. All the old ladies are peeking and looking at me. They knew I was the only sinner there. But all of a sudden on that night, the Holy Ghost, God Almighty, touched me. I had never seen a person saved. I didn't know how to pray, but I stood up. I walked down to the altar, got on my knees. I was crying. I, I never cried unless we lost the basketball game. I'm there at the altar crying, saying, please help me, please help me. And a little lady came and knelt next to me. We used to call them mothers in Zion. Had her hair piled on her head and, 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 and long sleeves and long dress. She came and knelt next to me. And she said, son, do you know how to pray? And I said, no. She said, say this prayer after me. She said, say this prayer. Dear God, I'm a dirty, filthy, rotten, no good sinner. I looked at her. I thought, how does she know I'm all of that? She's never seen me in her life. But I prayed that prayer. And that night, 8.30 in the evening, God wrote my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I became a born-again child of God Almighty. And that's been nearly almost 67 years ago. And I have never one day turn back. But just because you don't turn back doesn't mean you don't go through times of loneliness, rejection. And I understand that. I graduated in 1960. My dad gave me a choice. Give up the church. Stay, you can stay at home as long as you want. But if you're going to keep going to that crazy church, then you've got to find someplace else to live. And the next day I drove out of my driveway and headed toward, actually, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where some friends had gone. I understand rejection. I understand loneliness. I was the only Christian in the family for 
two or three generations on both sides. So now I'm all by myself. Just like some of you emotionally and mentally, you may feel all by yourself. You may feel like if people only knew who I was on the inside, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. You know, we Christians are the best actors in the world. We put a mask on Sunday morning and we come to church sometimes hurting on the inside. But the usher shakes our hand, the greeter shakes our hand and says, how you doing? I'm fine, I'm good. But you're hurting on the inside. You, you go through difficult times. I want you to think of Jephthah. His family drove him away to the land of Todd. Now, the Bible said, just said, these legs, these 81-year-old knees are just about gone. Sometimes I sit down because I try to be like Jesus. The Bible said he sat down and taught them. So I try to be biblical. I think I did sit down the last time I was here, but I'm standing up now. Well, there wasn't no chair up there. <laughs> there wasn't any chair up there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Jephthah is in the land of Tob. And he's surrounded by worthless people. Can I suggest to you that you don't need to hang out with anybody if they don't value who you are? If they don't see your giftings, if they don't value what God has done in your life, don't let them suck the life out of you, your energy, your well-being. Jephthah now is surrounded by worthless people, people without any worth. The devil will make you think you've lost your worth, your value, your giftings. Because maybe the way you were born, maybe your family, and you've had to grow up hurting with a stigma over your life. Well, if I was going to name this little message today, I would say it's time to shake it off. Now, my youngest daughter, I have four girls. My youngest daughter is actually was on the pastoral team of my church that I just pastored for 30 years. We sent him to Christian school and she played volleyball. The worst volleyball player in the state of Arizona. She could not play volleyball. You're supposed to hit the ball over the net. She would hit it under the net, beside the net, back of the net. But her teammates loved her and they'd all say, shake it off, just shake it off. I'm sitting on the bleacher, cheering her on, and I'm thinking, pull her out, pull her out. <laughs> but her teammates would say, shake it off. I want somebody here in this room today. You've labored under a very difficult situation. You've carried a scar on your life. I'm here to tell you it's time to shake it off. Because tomorrow is going to be a better day. Yes. Scarlett O'Hara said, I'll never be hungry again because tomorrow is a better day. Now, look at this story. Jephthah has been driven out of a home by his half-brothers. He has carried a, a stigma all of his life. I'm sure he tried to hide it. I don't think he liked to hear people say, uh, uh, your mother was a prostitute. 
Your mother was no good. Can you imagine growing up with everybody knowing that? Everybody in this room has a story. And some of us in this room probably would hope everybody else doesn't know how we were born, where we came from, who we really are. Because our lives were affected by worthless people. Jephthah is alone in a crowd. Sometimes in a big crowd, we can feel so alone. Because the enemy has told us we are no good. The, third, the, the sent brothers are having a meeting one day, and they get word that the armies of the Amorites and, and, and the uh, Perizzites and Termites, and they've surrounded the city. Now, it's okay to laugh in church. You won't have anything to laugh about Monday morning, believe me. Just don't listen to the news. So I want you to laugh. I, I say funny things to make you laugh, and... Wake some people up. Word is spread now. All of the enemy armies have surrounded the city. And these boys are afraid. What are we going to do? They're the leaders now. They're the elders of the city. What are we going to do? We're under attack. And one of the brothers remembered. Is that alive or is that just single? All right, well, get this side of me then, because this is my better side. One of the brothers said, listen, I know somebody who was a great warrior. I know somebody with skills and talents, but we ran him off. We sent him away. We told him he was no good because his mother was a prostitute. He's living over there in the land of Tob. Now, here's where the story gets good. They sent a committee, I'm sure, Most you can't have religion without a committee. So they sent a committee. How many of you Baptists remember those committees? You know, sure you do, yeah, yeah. The two things about being a good Baptist was you served on a committee and you could make good food for all your dinners. And when you joined the Pentecostal church, not only do you join the Pentecostal church, but you also join the Eat and Grow Club because Pentecostals like to eat. They sent a representative to the land of Tob, and they found Jephthah, the rejected, unloved, unwanted man who had been born of a prostitute, who carried that inner pain. Like somebody here this morning, you've carried a scar on your soul that very few people know about. But you've been skilled enough to keep it hidden. But God wants to touch you today without embarrassing you, without making you feel foolish. God wants to touch your life today in possibly a way it's never happened before. Jephthah, we've come to talk to you. Jephthah says, what do you want to do with me? Well, you drove me away. You let 
the circumstance of my birth that I had no control over dictate how you were going to treat me. Now we have a request to ask of you, Jephthah. If I had a subtitle, it would be, now's your time. Now is your time. This is our hour, folks. This is the time the world has been waiting for, for the Spirit-filled people around the globe to stand up, move to the front line of battle, and charge the enemy. It's time for us to get up and move. These boys said, well, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Jephthah said, well, what do you want from me? They said, will you come lead us? And I love Jephthah's response. You drove me off. You, and now you're coming back and asking me to come help you. I'll come on one condition. Oh, I love this part. I'll come. I'll lead your army. I'll do what you're asking me to do under one condition. I will be the leader. I'll be in charge. And the rest of you will be subordinate to who I am. Now, beloved, the time has come for us to recognize who we are. We have been cleansed by the blood of God Almighty. You see, Jesus was more than just a carpenter. The night God was born, his name is Jesus, God, wrapped in human flesh. I wonder when Mary was holding that little baby, how long was your journey, little one? How long was your journey? That night, only Mary knew who he really was. Now watch this. Mary taught God how to walk. The creator had become the creation. God had to learn how to walk on the planet that he made. The architect of the universe. His daddy taught him how to saw a board. Because he was really God manifest in flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. Great is the mystery. We sang about a mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. So, beloved, let me tell you something. Jesus was more than a carpenter, more than a philosopher. And God in the flesh is the one that died on Calvary. His blood cleansed every bad, evil thing that we ever were because Jesus became sin for us. That we might receive the righteousness of God in our lives. So you don't have to take a back seat to anybody. You don't have to bow your head to any demon or devil. It's time for somebody in this room to shake it off. It's time for somebody in this room to realize who you are. And if you're still maybe living in the land of Todd. I get a feeling you're not getting enough of me on this side. Am I doing okay? Oh, good for you. Give him money. Give him money. I'll bring this little sermon to a close. Because I know when I start getting a little foolish. 
But you know, it's good to have a funny preacher once in a while. I grew up in a church, oh, my preacher was tough, tough. And the problem, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, usually on Saturday night. We didn't have any time to sin. And we usually have a revival, and that lasts four or five weeks every other month. I've got enough church I could lay out for five years and not miss anything. But don't do that. Especially today, in the hour and time in which we live. What's your name? Como? Preston? How old are you, son? You're not married yet, are you? Good. This boy hadn't blinked once since I've been preaching. He just, I like you. I'll pay you money, boy. You stay where you're at. Preston, I was married when I was 19. My wife was 16. Today we recommend 25 or 30. But I was married 50 years, 5 months, 6 days, and 12 hours. My wife went to heaven in 60 seconds from a massive heart attack. But we were married. Her uncle married us. Oh, it was an old-time Pentecostal wedding when her uncle got to the part that says do you take this man to be your legally wedded husband she said he does we were married some of you one of you live with that scar on your life those memories of rejection maybe abuse Pick up Jephthah's attitude. Yeah, I'll come help you. I'll leave Tob, but I'm going to be the ruler of my circumstances. I'm going to be in charge of what happens for, with me from now on. I'm tired of being surrounded by worthless people. Go home today and read that story again. Don't let people rob you of your identity or rob you of who you are. I've seen it all my life. I've traveled the world, 110 countries. I've traveled the world. I've preached thousands of sermons. And I've seen what sin can do. How sin can rob people of their dignity and their self-worth. Pastor Phil gave an invitation a few moments ago. If I remember correctly, somebody here raised their hand for salvation. I want to give you an opportunity in the last moment of the service before we move into another sacrament called ordination. I want to give that person that raised their hand without any embarrassment an opportunity to publicly stand in front of this congregation and say, I've given my life to God today. And maybe, just maybe, you're that person that I came specially for. That you've lived with hurt and pain on the inside. And you want God to touch you today. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean you're evil. It just means that maybe you've still got one foot over here in Tom. And, 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 and Preston, son, you're only 12 years old. Make sure you give your life to God now.
escape the hurt and the pain that sin brings into the life of young people. And they carry it into their adult life. You stay true to Jesus. I'm sure that's your mom, your dad and maybe his, one of his daughters sitting on the other side of him. You, know, you learn this after a while, Pastor. Stand to your feet with me, if you will. Pastor Phil, thank you for the privilege of being in your church today. You children are doing a great job. I see all these wonderful people, young folks, children, preteens, grandparents. It was so good to see Sister Jane Johnson up here opening the service in prayer. A great, great woman of woman of prayer and dignity but I want to ask you a question and then I'm through if if everything is okay between you and God if everything is super and and, and you just feel super good about your relationship quietly and prayerfully I want you to just sit down Feel free to sit down if, if everything is okay. However, if maybe something that you might have heard today touched you enough to where you realize, man, I, I need God to do something with me. I don't understand it. Maybe somebody who could not sit down, you're still living over in Tob. People have suck the life and energy out of you and they've said oh you're not worth it you're no good but I'm here to tell you today shake it off could not sit down and you're being honest and thank you for being honest. if you could not sit down would you have the courage and the boldness to step to the nearest aisle and walk up to this altar pastor Nicole pastor Phil pastor Rebecca, come join me, if you will, on the platform. Come, God bless your heart. God bless your heart. Preston, come stand by me, son. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know. I don't need to know why you're here. But no matter what the reason is, I want you to know God is here to take care of what. Come here, son. What's your name? Wyatt. Wyatt? Yeah. Do you know Preston? Yeah. Hi, Preston. This is Wyatt. Wyatt, this is Preston. <laughs> now, you guys listen to Bishop. I want you to make sure everything is okay between you and God. Don't walk out of this building until you really surrender your life to Jesus. And everybody, everybody, everybody. Will the rest of you stand, please? You'll only stand for a couple of minutes, and then you can be seated while we ordain. See these children? I want somebody. I've buried so many young people when I directed Teen Challenge in Philadelphia. This girl grew up there. I buried children, dead from drugs, gang membership. Spent 14 years in Philadelphia burying children. Guys, Serve God. Serve God. Lord, touch these precious people that have come here today. 
Lord, I know you're able to heal them of hurts, of rejection and loneliness. Touch their lives, I pray, Jesus. Let the love of God just flood them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wrap your arms around them, Lord, as they shake off anything that hinders them in their walk with you. I bless them today in the saving name and the sin-remitting name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God, touch these precious people. Touch them, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.